The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, good afternoon. Welcome, this is Cheryl Cummings. I am the chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee, and we are really excited to have you here joining us in our celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sort of life and uh, legacy. Uh, today is a national holiday, and um, it's one of those years where the celebration of the national holiday actually falls on the actual birth date of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So um, we're really excited to have you here. Um, Janae, do you wanna tell us what we're gonna be doing today? Well, welcome everybody. Thank you, Cheryl. Tonight, we're gonna take some time to talk about the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has had on your life, whether it's through one of his speeches or, or his books or any of his um, lectures. And so we would like to hear from you regarding what um, his life and legacy means to you. And I'm going to start by sharing with you all um, that for me, um, I, I'm, I'm like most people, the I Have a Dream speech was the speech for me that really stood out as to what Dr. King was about, what he stood for, and what he was looking for as a better world for um, this country, for people who are minorities in this country, people who are Black, and uh, people who are uh, probably from any minority background for the most part. He wanted to make sure that no matter what the color of your skin is, um, or your religion is, or your gender, that you are treated fairly um, based on the content of your character and how you are as a person, not because you are or are not something. And so at, at this time, I'm going to begin to open it up and I, I want people to talk about this, but we only want you to speak for no more than three to five minutes and we will take raise hands. And if we can have one of our hosts keep track of how long someone's speaking so we can nicely say, you know, uh, time so that we can give plenty of people a chance to talk because this is a good hour and a half um, time frame we have and we want to give people a chance to really express themselves about the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I may come back and share a couple more things that um, I have on my mind regarding him. So do we have any hands either in Zoom or in Clubhouse? Not in Zoom yet but I'm sure they'll come after I said that. <laughs> oh, there's none. Deanna, you can unmute. Well, one of the things is that um, Martin Luther King has a place in the hearts of Native Americans. Um when he talked about dreams and he talked about wanting equity, equality, we understand those 
those things because it's something we've been fighting for since we first started signing treaties and the government kept breaking them. Um, we would go in with good faith and we would get shafted. And yet we still believe in the American system because it's based on principles that were part of how we confederated and how we work together as tribes. So it has always resonated with our people and uh, we have great respect for someone who spoke about the maker, the creator, and lived it, not just demanded that we give up all of our beliefs and follow the Jesus road, but didn't follow it themselves. Thank so, you, Deanne. Thank you, Deanne. Um, it's, well, I want to ask Deanne a question, if, if she could come back just for a second, because we are having this discussion. Deanne, can you kind of give a more context about what you said regarding the the Jesus road or not following the Jesus road? Could you expound on that a little bit, please? Well, okay. Each of our our groups believes that um, the Creator, when He made us, gave us a cup or a shape to how we were supposed to live out our our road, our our path, and we understood the road that we felt meant that we were a good person and we're doing what the creator put us here for and when missionaries came and said that everything we believed was wrong and that only through jesus and yada yada we always felt that we were connected to the great spirit because we were his children and like any father he wanted the best for us and he wanted us to be good people. And that meant we had to understand our own natures. We had to understand community. We had to understand how we fit into the picture of the world. And that all living creatures were our brothers and sisters. So the concept of some man a long time ago in another place who didn't know us could sacrifice himself and take away all of our mistakes and make us clean again, we found that a very hard concept because we understood that as children, yes, we make mistakes, but our Father never stops loving us, and He wants us to be better and learn from our mistakes and that we bear the burden of cleaning up our own messes and making the apologies and the re the reconciliations for when we have gone off our true path of what we are supposed to be. So we always had problems with the Jesus Road because they said it we had to believe in everything that was written in this book and we had to learn to read that book and we had to give up everything we 
new to be how the world works. And um, including our languages and our customs. And we had to follow the teachings in that book when the people who came to teach us the things in that book did not follow those those same things. Um, many of the Native American schools were run by churches and the people were cruel to our children and they didn't respect our elders and didn't allow our children to speak their native tongues, things like that. Okay. I, but no. we understood Martin Luther King because he told his truth and he included us in it and did not say we had to do anything differently, but just be good people. And that is true. And I wanted you just to clarify that because I wanted to hear that because I just looked at a program this evening where they highlighted uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's only grandchild, and her name is Yolanda King. And the reason why when I heard that, because those who really understood who Dr. King is know that he comes from a Christian background, but he led a life that, yes, he's a Christian, but it's not his job to judge, uh, but to be God's light and show uh, himself approved. Um, so I, I'm sorry that those missionaries came and said that. That's not the way, in my opinion, that Dr. King would want you to be treated. Um, and, it, and if that's, you know, if you believe in God, but maybe not necessarily a monotheistic um, figure such as Jesus, that's fine. But you shouldn't be condemned for that because we're all supposed to share in his love. And that's what Dr. King um, was about, even though himself, for his belief, he is a Christian. He does believe that Jesus is the truth and the life, but that doesn't mean that you should be condemned because that's not your way. Right. And, and the fact that, so thank you so much, Deanne, that I re really appreciate that. Well, thank you. So anyone else, any other hands? Yes. Herbie had his hand raised. So if okay. Herbie, if you have one, let me know. You have one? Um, oh, but now we have Gabriel Lopez. Kafati? Let's, let's go to Herbie first because you say he had his hand. Okay, raised. his hand's not raised anymore, but yeah. Okay. okay. So, Herbie, if there's someone in Clubhouse, please raise your hand and we'll. Yes, indeed, there is. Uh, Robert. Okay. Good evening, hey. friends. I am so happy to be with you for celebrating our leader, Dr. Martin Luther King. Basically, I'm from India. I came to know about him only 10 years back like that. Actually, my little daughter taught me about him, whatever he learned in the school. Then I started learning more about him, uh, especially after becoming blind. I used to participate in the walk, okay, yeah. the Phoenix I walk. But only this year, my wife was busy and I was not able to attend. At least I'm happy that I'm with you and I had an opportunity, I have an opportunity to talk about him. He was a great civil rights leader. Uh, we have, in India, we have something like caste system. It is some kind of sophisticated discriminatory system. It's hierarchical. So a lot of things I learned from him, how to tackle that. Um, thing is, 
you should educate your opponents rather than um, hate them or argue with them, something like that. He talked through his action. And of course, he was, he was a pastor. He emulated uh, the Jesus Christ as well as he is a great fan of our uh, father of our nation. Mahatma Gandhi, even Gandhi learned his non-violent struggle from the, after reading the New Testament. So both uh, derived their ideology from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ from the New Testament, same way they shed their life for the principles they lived. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. I mean- We do have one more I- in Clubhouse when you're ready. Okay, go ahead. Let's, go ahead. let's do that. Yeah. All right, Tanya. Okay, Tanya, I don't know if you got the invite to come up on stage, but I sent it to you again. Um, why don't we move on to Zoom, and I will let you know if Tanya comes up on stage. Okay, okay. thank I, you. Thanks. Thank you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just want to say something. I mean, I think um, one of the things that I've grown to understand to understand about Dr. King is that he fought for change here in the United States, but his message became international. And his message became, and sort of not only his message, but the tactics he used became adopted and adapted by people all across the world because his impact was not just in the United States. He He's somebody who has had an impact and has left a legacy that is worldwide and international. So. Yes, yes, that's very true, Cheryl. Very, very true. It's, it's felt in a lot of ways um, across, you said the world, even in organizations today, the fact that we have a holiday and people have honored him in their own way, like we are, shows that his his um, reach was very wide and very deep. Yep. All right, Danette, who do we have next? Gabriel? You are Hello. unmuted. There you go. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, it's an honor. Me to be here, not only as a board member, but as a member of MCAC, uh, to commemorate Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, so to me, there is a, what's the word, like a, a, a resounding theme in everything that um, Dr. Martin Luther King did and said. And um, I'm going to quote uh, when he said, um, Press the CMD plus tilde to reach pop up and lower hand. Press CMD plus tilde to reach pop up and lower hand. But the silence about that by the good people. Um, he not only said that, but he also said, one day we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So um, to me, those are just words of uh, selflessness and words that invite us to just say something when our neighbor is being oppressed or is being the victim of um, an injustice. Because just because it is not affecting us, 
it is affecting uh, another human being. It is affecting a friend. It is affecting someone who we care for. Uh, and I think what the silent message or the probably underlying message that he said in those words or in those sentiments was uh, also probably press CMD the plus tilde to reach pop up and lower one hand day press cmd plus tilde to reach pop up and lower hand where we need someone to speak up for us uh because we're gonna need it at some point and if we don't get it that's that's gonna be that's gonna mean uh life or death in many cases as history has proven so basically going back to to those sentiments what what i always take back from um dr king is that selflessness and the way in which he had the vision to see that um at the end of the day we may be oppressed because of our uh race because of our gender because of our sexual orientation uh whatever it is but at the end of the day if we don't stand up for each other as oppressed minorities i'm sorry no go ahead That's, oh okay thank thank you so if we do not stand up uh today for another group of people who are who is being oppressed uh even though it doesn't um, necessarily coincide with our own situation tomorrow those people may be in a situation where they could stand up for us but we'll choose not to do so. So it's, you know, it's, it's basically just a, a matter of, of being able to speak up for others that are not just ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, that's a quote that I, I sort of keep in my mind a lot um, because as you said, it, it really sort of challenges all right to, to be supportive of each other and that it's not enough to say, ah, oh, I understand, or it's not enough to just sort of, uh, you know, be on the sideline and watch, you know, and say, well, it's not, it's, it's, it's not me because I'm not the bad person. I'm not the one doing the oppression, right? That it's just as important that, as you said, Gabe, we all get involved and we speak up and do something when we can. So, Danette, anyone else? Herbie, he had his hand raised again, but it's not. Is there anybody over there? Yes, I wanted to say something. Um, my name is Tanya, and I got to tell you about Martin Luther King. He was my inspiration. I have never grew up in, in the uh, uh, 50s and the 60s. Okay, I would currently were raised in the late 60s to the early 70s and 80s and 90s. But hearing his message, it really gave me lots of ways to learn so much about him and understand all his message. Uh, also, I noticed that many things that we all were going through as us black people was a lot of race and many others looked at us because of our, um, our skin and also another thing that it really really bothered me like they look at us as the criminals and 
that really is the worst thing that bothered me. And I always say, you know, even though I'm legally blind, I wish people look at us as human beings. People doesn't look at us as human beings, but his message always relates to me. Uh, he also was a speaker as peace. And I admire that and I love that so much because I want peace. We all do. We feel that many people need to respect us and we're not getting any of that. And I'm hoping that maybe a lot of us out there will understand that because it really hurts me so bad to see our people get gunned down and other sorts of stuff that is really is ridiculous that is going on around the world. I mean, it is horrible of what we have to deal with today. But he always was a man that speak positive. Uh, he may not wasn't a civil right leader, but he was always was a very impressive speaker and a preacher. Thank you. Um, thank you, Tanya. Tanya, Dr. King was a civil rights leader. That's what he's known for, just so you can understand some context. Um, he's he's one of the head civil rights leaders of our time. Um, but thank you so much for your comments and, and sharing that so much. Do we have anyone um, on Zoom, Danette? Ebony Jones has left the meeting. Um, just a second. Regina Marie is next. Regina? Good evening, everyone. Hi, Regina. How are you? This is uh, wonderful. Thank you for uh, MPAC for allowing this. I would just like to talk about his speech, Give Us the Ballot. And if you can find that, hear the whole speech. It's it's almost 45 minutes long. And it is not quoted a lot, but in the light of voter suppression, that there's 500 different voter suppression bills introduced in the last year around our country in about 40 different states. That's a lot of bills trying to suppress the vote. And this was something that King was passionate about. And I think we have to be just as passionate. And I don't care if I agree with how you vote. That doesn't matter. Every single American citizen needs to have the right to vote, to vote without being obstructed, to vote without being intimidated. Last election, there were people, armed people, sitting at the polls and drop-off boxes trying to patch fraud. This is not what we are supposed to be doing in America. And it tilts the scales in ways that we don't even know. We, we don't know how this is going to affect people, but we do know that it's unjust. And I think it, it was also Martin Luther King that said injustice anywhere means there's injustice everywhere. So you, just like Gabe was saying, you can't just say, well, they didn't do it in California, so what do I have to be concerned about, right? 
Um, I'm talking about me because I'm from California. And, and, and I can't say that because if I say that, it goes against that principle that he talked about. And the last uh, thing I want to talk about is he said that will the two of the most dangerous things are willful ignorance and conscious denial of of events. And I don't need to expound on that. But whenever you willfully ignore something that's happening that hurts another person, or you consciously deny it's happening. So if I tell you, hey, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I think I'm experiencing discrimination because X, Y, Z. And you say, oh, that couldn't happen. That's a conscious denial because I've shared my experience, which is mine. And you can't possibly know what I've been through. It's time to listen and and listen to each other, really listen to each other. Even if in the end, maybe we don't agree on everything I believe the principle we can agree on is there has to be equity and justice for everybody in this country. That, that's my soapbox. And I'm, I'm stepping down now. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. All that's right. yeah, I, We have lost the connection. Lost the connection to Zoom. I don't know what my phone is doing. Recording in progress. Into this and, and the studies he had done. So, again, he was living his life as if the dream was true. My favorite book is called Where Do We Go From Here? This was his last book written. I've read, I'm not finished yet, but I've read almost all of his books. And I found this one most interesting to me because he, he had a sense of the future and what the future should look like. Even though he has not lived to see it, he had a vision that was cast in reality, and it was about social injustice. But interestingly enough, it was also about economics. He said we couldn't keep people poor in the richest country in the world 
and think we were doing all we were supposed to do. My um, favorite speech by him is the one where he talks about the mountaintop experience. It was his final speech. And I believe in that speech that he said what he said was very, very true. He saw that which could be real if we would stay the course and do the work. The next thing I want to share is uh, my favorite song in all of this, and it was the one they chose to have a soloist sing at his funeral. It's called If I Can Help Somebody. And the idea that we are here to not just talk the talk, but we have to walk the walk. And finally, here's the quote that guides me by Dr. King. It simply says this, use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Thank you for letting me share. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Pam. So, Pam I want to <laughs> I, I expand on something you said, Pam. The book, Where Do We Go From Here, has a subtitle, Community or chaos. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I, I too picked it up because I was really feeling like I was looking for something and I wanted to understand if others had sort of gone through what it feels we're going through today. And I was pleasantly, you know, surprised to find out that it was actually Dr. King who had written this book. Um, mm -hmm. And I encourage people to read it because um, it is his last published book, book. And as Pam says, he presents uh, uh, lots of ideas about not only the ways we work together as Americans to overcome racism, but even you know more than that, that as we work together to create a nation where we don't accept poverty, as the norm, right? We don't accept poverty. Yeah. We don't accept racism. I mean, so I, yeah, it's it's an excellent, excellent book. Thanks, I like so it. Thank, thank you, Pam. Thank, thank you, you so much, Pam. Thank you. Uh, right, who's, who's next? Yeah, who's next? Uh-oh. Lynette, are you still with us? Okay, sorry. I was muted. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Dr. Lynn Corral. I've been trying to say that name, but I've been muted. So. Dr. Lynn. Well, um, I I grew up in the time of Dr. King, and uh, I listened to WBAI in New York, and they had the Selma to Montgomery March. And I want to say he was a uniter. And... Um, when he would say, free at last, free at last, God Almighty, we're free, we're free at last. And he was such an orator. And I appreciate what Pam said about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. That's absolutely right. And he worked with, um, I mean, the voting rights struggle um, in Mississippi where two Jewish people and a black person were murdered. So it was just not uh, black people. There were plenty of people who were Jewish, who were white, who agreed with the civil rights struggle. And um, I think that he was a uniter, and he really tried to bring people together. 
And um, I like the mountaintop speech also because he really had a prescient view that he wasn't mm-hmm. going to live as long as he thought he might or as he wanted to. And he knew that um, it would be, um, you know, it would be okay. You know, that, that someday we would be able to, you know, uh, judge people that by the content of the of their character. And so I think that to me, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was definitely a, 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 a hero of mine and, and definitely um, somebody that um, I looked into. And even in uh, Leadership Banquets, we read uh, the letter from her Birmingham jail, which somebody else wrote who I heard yesterday, Mr. Uh, Jones, and he's still alive at 93. And he was crying about the uh, Martin Luther uh, King uh, and so a lot of people influenced Dr. King, uh, in, including Mohandas Gandhi. And um, I just think I'm so glad that it's a federal holiday and we should have more holidays honoring uh, black men and women. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn, so much. Do we have next? Um, do we, should we should we go in the clubhouse or should we let uh, Danette still take care of the hands and Zoom? Um, I don't know who's our host at present. Who's hosting us? It's Danette and it's Herbie over in Clubhouse. Okay. It initially, well, Danette's back. <laughs> Danette had left. Um, so, Danette, are you are you back? Are you unmuted? Danette. Hold on, guys. I'm I here. Her okay. Leaving. Her Sorry. Thing. I don't okay. know what happened. Okay. Yeah. So, um, does Herbie have his, is his hand up? Yes, it is actually. We do have uh, Doug over in Clubhouse. Uh, No, Herbie does not. No. Okay. So let's go. Do you have Lisa? I renamed, I did, when I came back in, it renamed me back to Lisa. Oh, Mother Bitty Kitty. It's Lisa. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, Yes. ma'am. I just want to know what happened to the dream. That's what I want to know. And I want to know what he would think about the way things are going on today with all this voter suppression and everything. And I really want to know, are people really listening and paying attention to what's going on? Because if they don't, we're going to be in big trouble. That's all I have to say about that. But this is a great call. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for your sentiments and your thoughts. Um, Danette, who we have? Herbie does have a hand raised now. Okay. Herbie, what do you have in Clubhouse? All right, I have Press Doug. CMD plus tilde to reach pop-up and lower hand. Press CMD plus tilde to reach pop-up and lower hand. All right, it's Doug. It's DJ here in Clubhouse. Herbie? Uh-oh. Um, hold on. Uh, okay. So, Danette, let's Are go you on not to the next me? person okay. Zoom, and then we'll check with Herbie again. Can you hear me? You can unmute. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. We are having some kind of interesting tech issues. I'm <laughs> looking into what's going on. Please stand by. I do apologize. Echo, this is a, a great call. Um, I just wanted to respond first of all. Uh, Pam, you, you were exactly right in, in what you said, and I'd forgotten. I was a boy when, during the Martin Luther King Civil Rights 
movement. But after you said that, now I remember whenever there'd be a march or there'd be a sit-in or any kind of activity he would do, whenever the news would cover it, they would always say the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was attending a march or the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was, you know, attending a sit-in. And history has taken that off for whatever reason. Uh, you know, they, 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 it's almost like, you know, taking God out of schools and so forth. Well, they, you know, they, they took that off of his title. But um, I didn't understand the civil rights movement because I was in grade school at the time. And what I remember is, you know, uh, people getting shot, and people getting windows getting broken and, uh, you know, just, just people getting murdered. For, for and fires being set and so forth, and it wasn't until I got older that I kind of understood what was going on. And, and Abraham Lincoln was history's kind of painted him to be a hero, and I, I guess he kind of was for the Civil War. But you know, when the blacks were freed uh, for almost a hundred years, and they couldn't vote, they couldn't go in the same restaurants as everybody else, they couldn't go to the same schools as everybody else. So it kind of had to be done. And I, there were a lot of people who didn't want the black people to be educated because I think they knew if, some, if, if, if they ever did get educated, they would figure out that the system was, was not doing them justice, just like we're doing the Native Americans justice and, and other minorities. But a couple things that impressed me about him, first of all, he did it nonviolently. You know, he wasn't, shooting anybody he wasn't burning down anybody's neighborhood he wasn't uh you know wanting to assassinate the leaders or, or whatever he did it non-violently and the second thing that impressed me about what he i mean and it had to be done i mean you know hank aaron played for the braves and he couldn't even go to the same restaurants and hotels as his teammates i mean that was just kind of sick and you know, somebody had to know how to change it, have the courage. But the other thing that impressed me about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was he, he his goal was to really unite America. Now, I understand that people will always kind of be different about people who are different from them. It's kind of human nature. But they can get along. They can become friends with each other. They can understand why they're different. And they can, and he was just trying to unite this country. And I really think that, you know, he worked so hard so that everybody could go to schools and colleges and everybody could get a job. That's what he wanted. And I think it would break his heart right now that, you know, young people drop out of schools and don't want to get educated. I think it would break his heart right now when, he, when, when leaders of this country try to divide the country instead of unite it. And uh, sometimes I, I just think they celebrate his day, but, you know, especially the politicians aren't really paying attention to what he said. And that's all I've got to say. Thank you very much for joining us, Richard. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. 
Okay, so let's now try Clubhouse again. I do apologize. I'm not sure what Zoom was doing. Doug, you should now be hearable, my friend. I am hearable, and I'm hoping that you can hear me, Doug, a.k.a. DJ in the mix. Hi, DJ. Um, this is a great call, and uh, a lot that has been spoken uh, is taken into consideration. And I want to share the same sentiments as Kitty just shared a moment ago. But before I do that, I want to recognize the parallel of Dr. King's life to Christ Jesus' life. Both sought out to do good. Both sought out to pursue peace, even as Scripture has given us to do. Both have sought out to make sure that righteousness and judgment would run down like water and flow as streams, as Amos prophesied. Both died at a much too young age. Both gave their lives for a cause, the cause that would ultimately be more about others and less about them. I too would shudder to think that as I noticed that if Dr. King were alive today, he would be 95 years of age. And if he were alive today, I wonder what he would think about how things are transpiring now, not only just with government, but even just with people. It, it shames me when I hear of black-on-black -black crime, just crime in general, when Dr. King went about doing things nonviolently, why do we have to, with violence, settle an issue? Can this nonviolent thing, did it work then and can it work now? My answer to that is simply yes, only if we allow it to do so. That's my thought. And I thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, DJ. Really appreciate you joining oh. us and sharing your ideas and perspectives with us. I really appreciate it. I agree with Cheryl. You, he, he did a good job of making those very nice parallels as well. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Area code 818, last three is 610. Your hand was up. Yep, when your hand was up. I am so sorry, you guys. I've been here. This is Pam. I've been here. I've been listening. I fell asleep. But uh, oh. <laughs> my mouth is full of a cracker right now. <laughs> I have been listening to everybody's comments about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and I was wondering if somebody was going to bring that up because he always said he was a Reverend first and foremost, always said that. And being that I was brought up in the Pentecostal church and listened to him, I listened to a lot of his sermons coming up, um, I've always called him or or thought to call him Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, my favorite uh, speech of his or sermon of his was the last one he gave. And I may not, I may not, um, I'm going to meet you on the mountaintop. I may not be there when you get there. 
But please believe me, I'll be there. And for me, that one has always touched the core in my soul because I truly believe that. And um, I'm going to read the book, Cheryl, you guys mentioned. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Cheryl. And the, the speech he did on the ballot. Oh, my God. Um, that one was, is, was and is so important because the one right, the couple, the one right that we have as U.S. citizens, as Americans, is the right to vote. And to have people talking about suppressing the vote and getting rid of people's votes and, and, and making sure people can't vote in this community, but all of these people in this community can vote. He's rolling over in his grave and hoping, and hoping, like Gabriel said, that there is a group of people out there willing to help the people that need a hand up. They don't need a handout. They need a hand up, and they need help making sure that their vote is not suppressed. So I truly believe that Dr. Doctor or Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was a powerful speaker, an orator, but he was um, a family man. He raised his kids. He had a granddaughter. He, he was 95 this year, and my goodness. But um, that's all I need to say because I am, um, don't feel good, but I'm going away now. Thank you, Pam Hill. For and thank you, um, Janae. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Thank you for your um, sentiments. Um, and I, I, I kind of like the fact that we're being reminded that he was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He was a clergyman first, and I, I didn't really realize that until I saw a special that was on TV where they interviewed his granddaughter. Like I think I said earlier, she's 15. And I believe she is in college at Spelman, just like her grandfather was in college at 15 years old at Morehouse. And she's even mm-hmm. written a book for children to kind of talk about uh, the legacy of not just her grandfather, but her grandmother, Greta Scott King, and just what they have, what their legacy means to her and how we can give honor to those of our past, but also, you know, speak to what you know, she as a young person being 15 can do to help make sure that the future is still bright for those coming after her grandparents and her parents. So thank you again, Pam. Right. Um, I I want to say the other thing that, that struck me is his age. I mean, so thinking about the fact that when, uh, you know, Dr. King was getting involved in the... Uh, Montgomery oh, bus boycott. I think he was what 20, 23, 24? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. He was in he was like just he was just out of uh you know seminary and seminary. Or, or just completed his PhD and everything and this was like his first sort of position. Um and and I suppose the thing that that sort of reminds me is you know a lot of it a lot of times we think that um, you know we need to look towards older people, but I think I, I'm feeling that Dr. King or Reverend Dr. King's life is reminding us that we need to also look at our young people to sort of hear what they're working on and what issues they're concerned about, and you know what 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 
bits of wisdom and that that they they have that they are using to change the world. So I suppose not let age be something that sort of you know that that uh, we look at and say, oh, you're too young, you can't do it. So very good point, Cheryl. Yeah. Um, who do we have next in, in Zoom, Danette? Mary Heroin. Mary. 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 <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good evening. Wonderful program. Hi, Janae, Cheryl. Um, so I recently found out that in um, 1961, Reverend Dr. King came to, came to Worcester, which is the city I live in and was born and raised in and still live in. I wasn't born yet. But he was invited by a rabbi um, of one of the synagogues here in the city to come and speak. And I, I was able to hear a recording of it recently because it had been recorded and the recording was found years and years later. And so not only did he, you know, give a wonderful speech, but he took question and answers later from um, the participants there. Mm-hmm. And so it was wonderful to hear him just speak more sp- spontaneously when he was answering questions and he could be sort of more natural himself and even show some humor. Um, And, you know, he, you you could hear just how, you know, he was so aware of everything that was happening politically in the Congress. He was asked questions about, you know, newly elected president Kennedy and what his thoughts were about Kennedy's record on civil rights. And Dr. King said, well, you know, um, I'm going to give him a little bit more time, but not much more because he wanted to see more progress from, from John F. Kennedy. And, you know, he was asked questions about um, a, a new comedian that was up and coming, Dick Gregory. And hmm. apparently, and, and Dr. King said, you know, I was asked that question earlier today and I don't know who this man is, but I'm going to have to read up on him, you know? And, um, he says, he said, I know he's been on late night TV, but I don't get to watch late night TV. (laughs) So, you know, it was just, you know, doc, you know, he, he was, it was just a wonderful chance to hear the man speak and, and not just obviously the orator, the preacher, but to understand that he was, you know, a man as well. But, you know, hit the speech he gave too. He he, um, there were elements of it that he incorporated later in his "I Have a Dream" speech. Um, but he just it, it was a wonderful speech in that he he talked about the history of of America and the progress that had been made uh, among African Americans in their increase in income, employment, but obviously talked about how much more work was needed. And, um, but you just, and he talked about his trips to Africa and to India. Um, But it was just, it was a, it was wonderful to hear him speak. And he, as I said, he was invited by the rabbi of the synagogue and there was a huge crowd there. I could hear, I could tell by the applause. Um, And it was, took place in the sanctuary so I, I can only imagine must have been several hundred people there hearing him speak. So mm-hmm. I just I I feel really grateful that I had the chance to to, to hear him um, in this this particular presentation. So um, 
so so thank you for 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 this presentation tonight and and for you know um giving people the opportunity to speak about about this great man thank you thanks mary oh next we have just a sec stephanie you can unmute Hi, Stephanie. Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you for MCAC for um, um, having this program and giving us an opportunity to speak. Um, I do hate to ask this question, but I must because I've had phone challenges today. Um, are you all able to hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. We hear you just fine. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Um, so my favorite um, Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speech, um, I love them all, but the one that really resonates with me these last few years has to is the um, letter from a Birmingham jail. Mm. Well, and, and it's not a speech, it's a letter. So, <laughs> But my reason for that is it spoke truth to power. The clergy didn't want him there. The, the white clergy did not want him there, called him an outsider. And, um, and basically he explained in the letter why he uh, was there. And <laughs> interestingly, he mentions in the beginning of the letter, you know, normally I don't bother responding to criticism and critics, um, because if I did, it would just take up a lot of time for my secretaries, myself, and, and all those involved with me. But I have to say something here, and I, I like that tone. He, he struck a tone of civility. Um, he struck a, a tone that suggests that I have something to say, you need to hear it, and I'm not going to go away because you think I should. Uh, I have a reason for being here. And so in the letter, he goes through his affiliations and why he's there. Um, and I, I found that, um, again, you know, liberating and inspiring. And um, I guess lastly, I'll say that the idea, you know, that people would want to try to take his good intentions and turn them into something they weren't. It smacks of a lot of what's going on in our society today. Um, but he gave us um, a blueprint for how to respond in this letter. And um, someone mentioned the quote um, earlier in, in the conversation here, um, but I wanna share it again. Um, he said, injustice anywhere, is a threat to justice everywhere. And it's how he lived. It's how he carried himself. It's the, again, the blueprint, in my opinion, for how I would hope our allies in the civil rights um, um, advocacy and struggle would um, come alongside us. Uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If it's it, it may not be me today, but it could be me tomorrow. And so, again, I 
um, I thank you guys for having this program. And um, yeah, that's my favorite uh, letter, not speech, but letter. Uh, so there you go. Thank you. Thank, no, thank you for sharing. That's, thank you that's, so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. We don't have any more hands in Zoom. Do you want to t- check with Herbie? Yes, please. Herbie, do you have anything over in Clubhouse? We currently do not. Okay. Um, well, go ahead, Cheryl. Oh, no. You, you said you had some additional materials or things you wanted to share with us. So, Well, you were getting ready to say something. I didn't want to interrupt you, so you can go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. I was just going to say, I mean... <laughs> it's 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 always um i don't want to say interesting um but it's always uh impressive when you think about all of the things uh reverend dr king did and the fact that he uh as somebody said um used the principles of nonviolence to do this and he used principles around, um, like, I mean, we talk about it as cross-disability, right? But um, he fought for Blacks, fought for African Americans, but at the same time recognized that there were issues, problems that affected everyone. Um, And, you know, as it's... I think about uh, the book, Where Do We Go From Here? Community, Our Chaos. Um, He really stresses this idea that improvement or the vision or the dream happens when things are improved for everybody and that we need to sort of build relationships and connections and we need to be able to work together to make change and to make a change that's effective for all of us. Um, So, and I suppose, you know, today, again, I was listening to another program with a author, a woman who was a teacher who became a writer of books for kids, for children. And she too was asked a question of, you know, do you still think that the dream is achievable? And she didn't hesitate in saying yes. So I think we are at a trough. We are at a part in our time and history that is absolutely challenging, but I think like the author and like Dr. King, we hold on to, I suppose, what we know is the right thing to do and the good thing to do. And we keep fighting against those who are trying to unravel all the accomplishments of the civil rights movement. Thank you, Cheryl. I want to add to that in the fact that someone earlier was, I, I don't know if it was just me, but someone else I mentioned about young people. And I'm going back to the program I, was, I saw this evening where they highlighted his um, one and only grandchild, uh, Yolanda, 
that Dr. King has a speech out there. It's called the Blueprint Speech. He gave a talk to, I believe it was um, a class of children who were in middle school and just really in, in impressing upon them to not be afraid, which is what Sean said earlier about their age and how because they're young that they can make an impact even at a young age. And for them not to to be daunted by, you know, during his time, the color of their skin, but they but to use the content of their character to evoke change. Um, and seeing that how the world has gone in a way that he was a man who was a leader and now his granddaughter being a woman and she's a leader. And we are seeing a lot more women stepping up to the and coming into the forefront of being leaders. And again, highlight the fact that she's only 15 and she's been speaking in front of crowds since she was nine or 10. So even at that young age, you know, a child's mind could be molded to to see the ways of of good justice in treating people decently and fairly. Um, and they can, even at a young age, be uh, led to a path of being a leader and to say that for my generation and what we have to grow up and deal with, we want to make sure the world is still a good place. <laughs> Just like our parents and grandparents wanted the world to be a still a good place. So I wanted to kind of add that as well. Do we have any other hands either in Zoom or in Clubhouse? No, not in Zoom. Um, anything? Does Herbie have his hand raised over in Clubhouse? No. We have no questions in Clubhouse, no. Okay. It's 9.31. Herbie, do you want to say anything about Dr. King at all? You or Danette? Well... I will just say that uh, Dr. King was definitely a remarkable man, and his legacy will live on, and I hope that uh, we can live up to his uh, dream of equality for all. Hey, thank you, Herbie. Um, Danette, do you have any words to say at all? You know, he gave, he was an, someone to look up to that many people would look up to, and in, including myself. And I enjoyed um, this call tonight. And I guess the most, the, the speech that I remember the most is I have a dream speech. So, yeah. Thank you, Danette. Oh, we have a hand now. Okay. Go Cache. ahead. Cache, Cache, you can Cache. Hi. Hello, Cache. Hi. Share with us, my friend. Share. Um, well, what I would say, first and foremost, is there is so much of Dr. King's life that has had relevance and importance and have stood the test of time. One thing that I appreciate the most is that he not only spoke words that lasted over time, but his actions, um, set the groundwork and I appreciate uh, his life and legacy in the pursuit of what he called uh, the pursuit of peace and purpose for justice, equality and peace for humanity which is I what I feel is most valued um, some of my takeaways because there are so many speeches and things that we could cover but I appreciate most of all um, his mission to the cause um, for what he stood for, his message 
in what he was also called for his message and what he was called to being a reverend, but also being a, 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 a leader and an advocate for civil rights, um, his motivation to which has left the seeds that we are now reaping the benefits of and how that motivation causes us to look at our choices and how we can set the course to move uh, in, things forward in a more nonviolent way. His speech has always stood out for me is because he didn't exclude himself. He included himself in that process, which is why we love to, you know, I've been on the mountaintop and I have a dream is because he did make us feel that he was going to be a part of that. And so um, that is one thing that we all have built on and we've attached ourselves to as we uh, connected with his legacy of himself. And that is uh, that is what a great leader does. You know, that's what a great leader does. He led us in a way that um, his speeches and his um, his life's work. It led me to reflect on what I love most. And I think, it, you know, several of them came up. But my most important one is the letter from a Birmingham jail because it allowed me to look within myself and take an introspective look of what could I do to align myself to the same purpose that would yield something for my own legacy, for my personal legacy, for my children and my grandchildren. And that is what I have learned from Reverend Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King, because uh, what it allowed me to do is that I have to be intentional with my focus. I got to know that influence is necessary. I got to know that the innovation that I seek to employ is going to land, it's going to lay the groundwork. And that initiatives is what changes uh, perspectives, experiences, and our encounters. And that in order to be valued and in order to uh, pick a, a relevant stand that there has to be a, a sense of integrity because integrity is what breaks down barriers. And lastly, um, I want to make an impact and I use my choices and my voice to do that. And, it, and for me, impact is the end goal. And that is what I feel like the dream is. It is what is going to continue to make work to make um, the choices that we seek to uh, align ourselves with and the work that we put in to uh, not only just relic in the dream, but it's going to move us beyond the dream to new experiences, to change uh, the mindset of people that we have a new perspective of how we can truly uh, live in a, a world that is truly just and equal. Um, and my quote from him, it says, there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor political, nor prolific, nor popular. But he must take it because consciousness tells him that it is right. Thank you so much. Ooh, thank, thank you, you. Cache. Mm -hmm. Danette, any other hands? Any other hands? No. no. I was going to say in, in Boston, um, there is a new um, statue that's that um, was created. It's called uh, the Embrace, um, and it is, I think, it is of um, hands, and it's um, there to sort of symbolize the love between um, Dr. Martin Luther King and his wife Coretta, um, because, as we all know, they met in Boston, um, and. 
I suppose the other thing that's important about that um, piece of um, um, sim symbolism is that it is it, it is accessible. Um, so in creating it, they made sure that as people with disabilities, be it blind or some other type of disability, that we too would be able to appreciate the the the, the piece. Oh. Thank you, Cheryl. I didn't even know that that existed in Boston. Um, and I yeah. forgot that uh, Dr. King and uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, Coretta met in Boston. Yes, they were both going to school in in Boston. Um, that, um, Antioch, I think that was Antioch. That was, hmm? was that Antioch or that a different one? Uh, I don't remember. I, I don't know. I don't remember. But you know that he he completed his PhD from Boston University. Yes. Okay. That's probably where it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Do we have any other hands in Zoom or over in Clubhouse? Not in Zoom. Okay. What about Herbie? Nothing in Clubhouse. Okay, we're at almost 20 to the hour. Yeah. So, I mean, if there isn't anybody else, I don't know, Janae, do you have any sort of, do you have any final words for us so you could wrap it up? I, uh, my final thoughts would be that we all need to probably take time more now than ever to look at all of Dr. King's writing, his lectures, his speeches, um, even his books, because we are definitely at an inflection point in history. Um, we always talk about um, not to make this too down in the political space, but we always talk about each election is the most important election of our lifetime. But I go back to what Regina was saying earlier about the fact that I knew we had over 300 is now up to 500 voter suppression laws and and. 40 out of our 50 states, that's huge and that's major. And it seems like that has happened uh, more and more. And I, I, I hate to bring up this point, but I have to since the election of Barack Obama, who was our first black president. And if we look at back at why Dr. King started this, it had to do a lot with racial injustice and how that racial injustice can be morphed into other injustices in the world. And and it seemed like ever since Barack Obama was elected, everything after that has slowly been this rolling ball snowball of trying to dismantle certain people from voting. And I mm -hmm. and it's even become more so since the election of 2020. And so we have to really take of greater stock in who Dr. King um, was and what his message means. And and not just the fact that he made quotes, but those quotes and those statements and those writings have a greater, deeper meaning to who we are in the United States and who we are in our place in the world and in history. And yes, let's also be reminded that he was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, first and foremost. And that's just mo my closing thoughts at the moment. Cheryl? Um, I'm just going to say thank you. I Again, I'm deeply appreciative of everyone who took the time to join us this evening and to share 
um, how Dr. King's words uh, have impacted your life um, and sort of what you've drawn from Dr. King's life and his actions to guide your own. So thank you everyone for being here. Um, we are, as I said, deeply appreciative of your participation and encourage you to uh, sort of keep paying attention as MC, the Multicultural Affairs Committee will be doing um, more activities during February, Black History Month, um, and, and throughout the rest of the year. So thank you so much for joining us.